seasons, and we'll get there in a minute. But as a church, we're in a different season. You know, we've been in transition mode, I suppose, since kind of October, November. Um, and uh, the last few weeks, uh, many of you who are here, I uh, just want to say a huge thank you for putting in a real shift as we finished uh, Cineworld. And then last week, we landed here. And then this week, we're here again. And it's just got that kind of, no, actually, this is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. You know, and, and yet, you know, we know that, that we've got a few folk away. We know that deliberately, you know, we've given the band a rest. Because actually, let's give it any of the musicians. Someone won't even know about this because they're not here. Give them a round of applause. Because, you know, for the last month, people have been just, just pouring themselves out. And we just, in the season, just need to have a little step back. And so have a, a sort of smaller um, Sunday. But in that as well. No, rooted in Psalm 127. You know, <laughs> unless the Lord builds the house, the labourers labour in vain. And so we don't trust in, in one speaker working and then the other, or whatever was going on, even to my sound. We don't trust in you know, me spilling my coffee before I've even got any of this morning. No, you know, it's about Jesus. It's about God. And, and so hopefully hear our heart in that, that, that yeah, you know, yep, you know, there's things going on. Yep, this morning... You know, it's just been a little bit different. It will be different, but hear us, God is building us and transitioning us. And um, Ecclesiastes 3, as Mark said, is where we're going to land. Um, if you've got a, a church Bible near you, it's page 356. If you've got your smartphone, stick it on. Um, if you've got a normal Bible, then you've got to find Ecclesiastes probably uh, sort of towards the older part of the, the first bit of the Bible. I'd suggest probably about a third the way in. But it depends on your font, print, and how many maps and clever other bits you've got at the beginning. Uh, and I'm not in them. In I don't sell Bibles. I just read them <laughs> and love them. Uh, but just uh, yeah, as we're finding that, you know, the backdrop. Um, you know, for those of us who have been at God's Center forever long, those who've been visiting, those who are exploring, is you know, we were birthed sort of nine years ago um, by myself and my wife Claire, and and we're just trusting that God would build a sizable, significant church here in Harlow for his glory. And, and we wanted to root that in the word of God, in the spirit of God. And in doing so, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes is really, really timely for us. Um, I was talking with someone yesterday uh, who's known me for a while and just chatting about preaching. And they kind of, you know, what are you doing at the moment, Ben? And I was like, oh, we're doing Ecclesiastes. And I was quite excited. And, and their look was like, you're doing what? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's, you know, it's a book in the Bible, it's wisdom literature, but why would you be preaching that? Well, because it's the Word of God. <laughs> and actually, the more we look at it, the more relevance I think it has. Um, and so Ecclesiastes 3, I'm going to read the first, uh, first chunk here today, um, and we're going to look down. Uh, first verses 1 to 15. Uh, for those who are expecting Ben Norris up here today, it was due to be him, but in kind of the rejig and just shifting, that's why I'm here, just in case any of you were like, hang on, last week you said Ben was continuing. Well, if Ben was, we just changed it from Norris to Clark, and it kind of served him well with his setup and bits. Um, but uh, let's, let, let me read, pray, and then I've got, uh, I've got four key points for us today, so it shouldn't be, it should be a good but challenging one, I think. So Ecclesiastes 3 says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill 
and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. I perceive there is nothing better for them than to be joyful, to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil, for this is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it, so that people fear before him. That which is, already has been. That which is to be, already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for the hope and love that you you emanate to all of mankind. Father God, this morning we pray, would we be about your work? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would, would you cause these words to come alive in every situation, in every heart, both here and listening? God, would you be building your kingdom? Father God, this morning, would Jesus' name and renown be honoured more in Harlow, in Essex and to the ends of the earth? Would lives be transformed in this room, in our town, in our, in our country and in the nations, oh God? Would you come and build your church, capital C, globally this morning, we ask, in Jesus' beautiful name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Okay, good amen. That's always encouraging. It's always worrying when you, when you get to the end and you're like, okay, is anyone still awake? <laughs> but no. Uh, right, fast track back 36 hours to Friday evening. I, I don't know where you were. Uh, don't, I know where I was. Um, but what, was, what had happened for me was another week was kind of coming down. The curtain was closing. Okay? And I was greeted with a weekend. And, uh, and for many of us, uh, that's two days where we can rest, we can recharge, we can reflect on the week, you can mull over what had happened, make some plans for the week ahead, um, and hopefully in there, <laughs> for those who are sort of Christians, enjoy God a bit. Do you mean to reflect on what God has done, where he's taking you, and propel you on? And uh, the good news is, the moment we start thinking, praying, dreaming, however you want to put it that way, that, that God comes on hand to help us. And uh, the way he does that is often via his spirit, which just stirs things, and via his book, the Word, the Holy Bible. And inside the Holy Bible, there's, there's a lot of other books which are there to help us. And one of those books is Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes, I think, is very realistic. Do you know, what I mean? you know It teaches that life under the sun, as we've called the series, is often empty. 
It can often feel pretty futile. It can often feel slightly absurd and, and take us to the rocks of despair. You know, the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm nicking this from, from June, but uh, whoever gets there on the preach will be there, is the end of the matter this, is what it says. The Ecclesiastes 12, 13 to 14 says, the end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God, keep his commandments, this is the duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. But the end of the matter is, God's got it all in control. And the end of the matter also tells us that this world is not paradise. <laughs> you know, there, there is better to come. That, that in this world, we will have issues. And the most important thing is how we journey through this life, getting to know God. That it's rooting in Him. And so, this morning, I want to just talk about our, <laughs> our limited power. Our finiteness compared to God's infinite power and God's infinite limit, no limitations. So I want to contrast what we can do with what God can do and try and look at life with that backdrop. And I've got four key points, as I said. Uh, they're, they're fairly basic, um, but they're pretty key to this text. The first one, God is sovereign. Okay, number two, God works in seasons. Number three, trust in God, even when things are unclear. And number four, nothing is wasted with God. And I just want to quickly go through each of those, but giving them some background. And the first one is the most important point for any of us, okay? Is that we recognise that God, the God of the Bible, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is awesome and set apart in different ways. You know, four weeks ago at the cinema, we had our friend Matt Legg come up from Jubilee and talk about the goodness of God. Just out of interest, who was here when Matt spoke? Yeah, this is it, about, about half a dozen of us. Okay, get it online. Just a really good talk about the goodness of God, how good God is good in every single way. He's not limited in any single way. That, that you know, for me, huh, I'm very limited. I have, I have partial knowledge. I try to make good decisions for my family, and shock horror, I get some of them wrong. Shock horror, you probably get some of them wrong as well. God does not. <laughs> it's a fundamental difference that, that he is not limited to the way we are. And the important thing for us is that we have a clear picture of God. Because if we don't have that, we're going to struggle when life's breakers come in. And we need to be clear that God doesn't just have good motives. That he's not just, he is abounding in love, but he's just not a lovey, dovey, cuddly creature. He's awesome and holy. He flung stars into space, created everything that man hasn't even discovered yet, knit you and I together, can speak to the whole billions of people on this planet at the same time, could be interjecting in your life as much as the person next to you, on the person who's the other side of the world. God is not limited by time, space, knowledge or anything in the way that you and I are limited. Amen. And, and so under, underneath that, we then look at the character of God and we look at, yes, he loved us, he loved you so much that he would send his son to die in, in our place. That yes, you know, on top of that, he offers us grace. 
you know, God's riches at Christ's expense. That, that all the wrong that we've done is, is put on Jesus and we walk spotless through. That's the love. That's the grace. We have the fact that God is not quick to judge, that he's wanting us to get it right. Yeah, he's not like me who gets bad tempered with my kids when they do something wrong once and I'm a bit grouchy because I got held up in the traffic on the way home and I spilt my coffee on the way into church. And No, God, God is slow to anger and abounding in love. Gracious, not wanting any of us to mess up and miss out on eternity with him. And that picture of God helps us because in this life, at the moment, or in the past, or in the seasons to come, we're going to hit things. Maybe it's ill health for you, or a loved one. Maybe it's a, a cruel situation at work. Maybe it's a business deal that goes wrong. Something breaks, and it's just going to cost you loads of money at the wrong time to fix it. People are, are going to fail you, or bail on you. Or just do you wrong? Kids are going to go off the rail. People are going to pass away at a time which you wouldn't want to choose. The sure as eggs is eggs plan that we've got for there here, the wheels are going to come off it. We're going to lose your phone, your wallet, your keys, going to be late to work, your home could get burgled, someone's going to bump into your car, uh, parking spaces are going to go, and some of those are deliberately thrown in there for people like Diane and her car, so please don't go even near the red one. But my point is, these things will happen. And in it, when I'm in it, the first thing is like, it's not fair. Why me? Why God? <laughs> Where are you? And those moments are huge. And to put some context from Claire and my life, you know, back in 2006, 2007, 2008, Claire and I were struggling to have children. 2009, Claire did the test and was pregnant, then approaching 12 weeks, miscarriage. Hope, elation, ripped away, grief and despair. 2008, when my nan was really ill, we had the option to purchase a house, started valuing things, and we had cracks up here in our house. Someone had planted a tree with a preservation order on it, right next to it, and it just started at that time, cracking a house, cost us immeasurable amounts of time and cash to fix. 2016, riding on my bike, lovely sunny day, round the corner, next moment hospital, next moment prognosis, may not walk or walk with a limp for the rest of your life. My lifestyle that I love, hanging by a thread. Just three illustrations of moments totally outside my control. Moments where I had nothing that I could do that just happened. And moments where without my Christian faith, I genuinely don't know where I would be. Mm -hmm. Moments where I anchored into the character of God. That I wasn't looking at I was looking into the deep character and trusting that this will work itself through because that is the God I've known to love and serve for the last 15 years. 
You know, the Bible refers to Jesus quite often as being a cornerstone. I love the Hillsong song. You know, Christ alone, cornerstone, rich <laughs> made uh, weak in the, in the Saviour's love. And what we're effectively saying in that song is that it's on Jesus, it's on his truth, on his right standard that we're going to build our lives. You know, cornerstones were whopping stones. They set the trajectory, the size, they laid out everything kind of for the building. And I, th- I love that illustration of Jesus doing that in people's lives. That it's on that truth. It's on the fact that God is good and loves us that we're going to build things. It's on the truth that I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer called a sinner. I'm called a saint. I'm clothed afresh because of what Jesus did. And that God is working everything for the good and the glory of his name. That's where I anchor myself in those moments. Not in the Ben Clark's got a problem. Ben Clark's got a No, in the goodness of God. I don't anchor myself in Ben Clark because I can't change things. I anchor myself in the love and security of Christ. That's why getting a clear picture of God, you know, in this passage in Ecclesiastes is so profound that Solomon's writing. Because, you know, he gives us a time for this, a time for that. They're all stuff that's going to happen. But in it all... (laughs) Jesus and God hold us firm. He is the anchor who will not fail us. He is the firm foundation upon which we build our lives. He is the one who can make sense of things. Where in time to come, it will make sense. And when we're in the middle of things, we need to learn to trust and obey. For there's no other way. Going back to my Sunday school days. And... At the forefront of our mind today, we need to know we're not in control and God is. And that God is and that God works in seasons. <laughs> you know, we started it by that it's really topical for us as a church that things happen in his timing. Do you know what I mean? You know, more than that, we can't operate out of God's seasons and timings. Do you know what I mean? Because he's God and we're not. Do you know what I mean? You know, I, I shared towards the end of our time. At Cine World, you know, how I've thrown some grass seed out and to my amazement it started growing in January because we had a really mild winter. Was that cleverness of bed? No. Did it didn't did me? No. It was the fact that God sovereignly decided in the UK we were going to have a warm winter this year, and so the seed does what it does when it's created by God, and when the seed gets warm and water, it grows. Had nothing to do about me, although my lawn does look quite good. Do you know what I mean? You know, but it was him. His grace and mercy on it. You know, I remember again when Claire was pregnant with Amelia. You know, we went to the NHS appointment, all excited. They gave us a due date. Do you know what I mean? You know, the latest technology, 21st century, everything. Here's a due date. Do you know what happened on the due date? Nothing. (laughs) You know, (laughs) nothing. And I love the NHS, by the way. I've got some workers here. Had nothing to do with it. Because God ordained the season. God determines when we're born and when we pass away. You know, likewise, I sat with my dad last summer before he went to be with God. And one of his words was, Ben, I've got some other things I'd like to do, but I trust this is my God's timing. We don't control it. It's not like, ah, I think I'd like to be... You didn't decide when you were born. (laughs) You know? And, and, And the other end of life, we don't choose either. In natural systems, that's what happens. Do you mean things come and things go? And God orchestrates seasons and timings, and we just need to recognise them and live in his rhythms of grace. 
I was uh, looking out of, of our back window while prepping this. And I always look on the in sofa, those, you know, our apple trees. And I thought, I thought we don't really like them that much, actually, but they're there. And I thought, you know, this time of year, they're just sticks, you know, trees. You know, I mean, come April, we're going to see buds appear on them. And then you're going to see a beautiful blossom. And then in June and July, we see the little apples form and the kids throw them at one another and I deal with all the A&E stuff. And then as summer comes in, okay, we start to see full-grown fruit. In August, I can go out and have an apple. I'm not going to invite you back for an apple this afternoon because I can't get one. Because there's a season and a process which we go through which is outside my control. I could, I could go this afternoon, I could sit and talk to the apple tree. I could give it a little stroke. I could put some manure on it. I could get annoyed with it and shout at it. I could bid my horn at it. I could throw my mobile phone at it. I'm not getting an apple off it because it's not the season. The season belongs to God. The apple tree, like us, operate in that season. And the sooner we learn which season we're in and get into the God-ordained rhythms of our life, I would suggest the more fruitful we will be. Because in our Christian life, just like the natural world, there are spiritual seasons as well as there are natural ones. Ecclesiastes 3 has that famous phrase, for everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And that's between you and God, to know which season you're in, whether it's a season of transition, whether it's a season of replanting, whether it's a season of growth, of consolidation, whether it's a season of taking risks or a season of, of just seeing the fruit of things, sowing and harvesting. There's so many pictures. And for us as God Central, for those who haven't got the history, you know, we've had seasons in our nine years. We've had seasons of meeting midweek. We've had seasons of meeting Sunday afternoons, of Sunday mornings. We've had seasons of meeting in theatres, in cinemas and now a very small start of the season in a school. We've had seasons where, where God has added quickly. We've had seasons where God has stripped away and people have moved on. We've had seasons where we've grown spiritually. We've had seasons where we've consolidated. We've had seasons of laughter. We've had seasons of mourning. We've had all of these things under the grace and goodness of God. And in all of that, we need to just trust and know that God is at work. That we can't force things. We can lean in, we can pray, we can fast, we can do what he asks of us. But ultimately, like me going to my apple tree this afternoon, it will happen in God's season. And there's another big truth that we need to get our heads around while I'm, while I'm on a rant, is that God is not dependent on Ben Clark, and God is not dependent on you. It's not like this morning, God woke up and he's like, if I can't get that six foot four, receding curly haired man on board this morning, my kingdom's got trouble. <laughs> Put the mirror in front of yourself before you laugh too much at me. You know, God, God does not need us to do things. He's not stewing in heaven over whether or not he's God. And yet, the magnitude is that while he doesn't need us, he desires us. His, his heart is for us. That he would so want to work through us, 
even with all our limitations and baggage and everything else, that that, that is the God we serve. A God who, who, who could do everything, has done everything, and yet chooses to invest himself in mankind, in you and I, to love us, to cherish us, to pick us up when we fall. That his plans, I often think God's plans must be, he must be out there. So much easier if I wasn't in them at times. <laughs> you know, that, that, but that would just be alien because his chief end is to have a people after himself. And you only get into a people when you, go, when you walk through life together, when you do seasons together. Yeah, the writer to Ecclesiastes says that he's set eternity in the hearts of man. That we know there's more than this. We know it. And yet God doesn't give us everything. You know, he tells us he hides some of it because we need to learn to trust in him. Do you know what I mean? You know, we have the benefit of hindsight in some of these biblical situations. The people there didn't. Someone's going to have the biblical hindsight or the historical hindsight of what happens in God's central and in your and my life. We haven't. We're walking by faith. You know, but someone else, you know, that will sit around the Christmas table in years to come. Do you remember that, that granddad Ben? You know, what I mean? you know, and they know. But at the time, we don't. We go in faith. And one of the things we've got to learn to do is to anchor ourselves in God when we're not sure what to do. Because I was going to ask for hands, but I won't. You know, I've had times in my life where I've got no idea what to do. I'm sure most of us have. Where you're just like, I just, do you know what? Life's bad. I, I can't really focus. I can't do this or that. Everything's going on. And the Bible tells us that, that we need to look to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith in Hebrews. That we don't stare at the problem. That we don't look to the mountain, the obstacle, the situation. We look to our God. You know, Second uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 20 King Jehoshaphat is is in battle and everything's getting a bit hairy around him. He's got lots of enemies rising up. And his heart cry is, we don't know what to do, O Lord, but our eyes are on you. And do you know what? For a lot of us here, I would suggest write that on the bottom of your mirror. Get it on the back of your toilet door, whatever else. That when we don't know what to do, we get our eyes on God. Because the instant thing to do is to stare at the problem, to try and turn it round, to Google it, to write it through ten times. No, we, as Christians we're called to live above that, to get our eyes on God. In Psalm 43, verse 5, another one you want to do is, you know, is, is this. It's, why are you downcast, O my soul? You all know it, a lot of you. And why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God, for I shall again praise him. It's the end bit of, yep, something's good. But do you know what? I'm still praising my God because I trust that he is able to redeem. That means make good any situation for his glory. He's not limited the way we are. There's a, there's a really nice way, the message, which is kind of a, a sort of a Bible translation, but with sort of a feeling and emotion and devotional bits, puts this, uh, this little passage, which I think I'll get up here, but I'll read it because I'm aware that words which still struggling with. And, and, it, and um, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, he puts this, he puts, but in the end, does it really make a difference what anyone does? I've had a good look at what God has given us to do. Busy work mostly. So if you're busy, <laughs> there you go. True, God made everything beautiful in itself and in its time. But he left us in the dark so that we don't know what God is up to whether he's coming or going. This is key. 
I've decided that there's nothing better to do than go ahead and have a good time and get the most we can out of life. That's it. Eat, drink, make the most of your job. It's God's gift. I've also concluded that whatever God does, that's the way it's going to be. Always. No addition, no subtraction. The maths teacher me like that. God's done it, and that's it. And so we'll quit asking questions and simply worship in holy fear. Whatever was, is. Whatever will be, is. That's how it always is with God. And I just, I, I, I love the way Eugene Peterson just got hold of it, the bit in the middle, you know, God has made everything beautiful in itself and in its time. Yeah, but he's left us in the dark, so therefore we enjoy the journey with God. We enjoy the things he's got, we receive them as gifts. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's, it's like Solomon saying from a mature place, do you know what I mean? I'm trusting in you, God. This doesn't make sense. These two situations don't make sense. I've seen this in my kingly rule. It doesn't make sense, but actually, uh, my soul is well with you, O oh God. You know, I'm going to do the things I can, and I'm going to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice in, in it. You know, it's Matt Redmond's, you know, you give and take away, blessed be your name. You know, it's I'm coming up the mountain to praise you, O God, because you're God. Eugene Priest, I've concluded that whatever God does, that's the way it's going to be always. <laughs> no addition, no subtraction. So we'll quit asking questions and simply worship. Whatever was, is, whatever will be, is. That's how it is with God. Do you think you've ever worked a day of your life in vain? Do you think you've ever shed a tear in vain? Do you think you've ever read a Bible verse in vain? Do you think a meal's been eaten in vain? This would tell you that God makes everything beautiful in its time. When is its time? In his time. Not mine, not yours, in his. And as we come close to landing, we also need to be aware that God wastes nothing. Those of you who have sat there thinking, that's all very well and good, God, da 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 da. No. It tells us quite clear that God is able to restore and use. If we just look at Jesus for a sec, you know, his time on earth, God uses Herod, ruler of the time, just like a tool in his hands for the execution of Jesus. He used a betrayer, Judas Iscariot, do you know what I mean, to fulfill prophecy, do you know what I mean, and bring about redemption for all people, including you and I, if we tr trust in him. That we have a God who can use things that just seem totally out of it. And I could go through illustration after illustration. But God can use those things. Do you know what I mean? He can use every minute, every second, every opportunity. And he can bend them. He can weave them. He can bring it all back together for his good. That, that, that our time here this morning, wherever we find ourselves, whether we're elated or, or that, God will work that through for the glory of his name and for the building of his kingdom and the changing of your heart towards him. You know, Paul the Apostle, you know, echoed Solomon in 1 Corinthians 13, where he says, you know, for we know in part, 
But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Now we only see a mirror dimly, uh, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I've been fully known. That At the moment, I've got a limited capacity, but one day I'll be with my God and things will make sense. You know, that's the hope that we cling to, is that, that God is not not making mistakes. He is working things. He is building things. He is aligning things for the glory of his name, the honour of his kingdom. And he loves us more than we love ourselves. He loves Claire more than I love her. He can do better for her than I can. That, that God is above all different things. And often, I, I think we spend a lot of our time either looking back with regret or looking forward with plans. And sometimes we miss the present. You know, I've spent time mourning the past <coughs> or, or consumed with changing the future <laughs> rather than where I am and missing the present. And I think as God's central and as individuals, we've got a lot to learn from this passage as we do that. That we learn to fix our eyes on Jesus, to know the season we're in, to embrace God within that season. <laughs> knowing that he will bring it through to fruit. And also to know that this life is not the be all and end all. That actually we take very little from this life into eternity with God if we've chosen to follow him. But what we can take are people, memories, things we've invested in, things we've done for the kingdom, and we're encouraged to do so. And uh, as Ben and Nikki sort of slip, slip in behind me and we're going to go back into worship, I, I want to close with a strange illustration. Okay, so just, just bear with me on this. But I was just thinking, God, how, how do we sum up quite a heavy, quite a challenging, but a very true passage? And I, I felt God say to me, talk about theme parks. And uh, so I want you to imagine you're at a theme park. Uh, and for me, I do a lot of trips down to Thorpe Park, but it could be centre parks or anywhere. But where there are water slides and tubes, uh, I just want you to be getting a feel for what the place is like. And then if you imagine like the biggest water ride or, or log flume or whatever, I want you just to just imagine you're still at the bottom and you're looking up at the people as they're right at the very top of it. And you know what I'm saying. Some of them are grinning from ear to ear at what's about to happen. Some of them are starting to look a bit nervous. Some of them are kind of looking back down and being pushed on by the queue behind them. There's all these people at the top of these rides looking different ways. And then as they start down, some of them freak out, don't they? they you know, you try to put your hand down and slow down or jam a foot on a corner to go a bit slower or just the white knuckles come up for some people. You know, others are kind of looking left and right wondering what's happening and all of that. And some others literally just lay back in the water and enjoy the flow and just grin and have a glass. And I think for us as Christians, God would say similarly that we don't try to fight the rhythms of God, that we embrace his character in the season we find ourselves and we 
flow with God, knowing that he will take care of us, that there will be no harm come to us, and that he will end us where he wants us to be. And that God would like us to enjoy this life with him. To, yeah, not wrestle in it, but to flow with him and to enjoy. And that's where I just want to come into land with a challenge of reflecting on where you are in life, what different bits are going through. But then to anchor ourselves firmly in God and to trust him to work all things through. For for the best plan for you is God's plan for you. The best plan for us as God's central is God's plan for us. And so we embrace that and lean into it for the glory of his name. If I could just ask us to stand, we're just going to pray and then we're going to return to worship um, and then we'll have some fellowship and some other bits. But Father God, I thank you that you are so for us that there is nothing outside your control, God. That when we find ourselves at the end of ourselves, we know that you've got it well and truly in hand, oh God. And so, Lord, I pray for each of us here, Father, whichever season we're in, Lord, that we would learn to know you more, that we would embrace you more, Father, that that we would walk with you through the tough times, the health times, the financial times, the, the, the just down seasons, that we would trust that you are with us and will carry us through. And when we come up on the mountains, God, that we would include you in our rejoicing and celebration, that we would become a people set apart for you, living for your glory, seeing your kingdom extend, that the name and renown of our God would go before us, that he would guard us, he would protect us, he'd bless us and take us through this life, increasing his kingdom, and that one day we'll meet him face to face and enjoy him forever. So Father God, thank you for who you are and bless us, we ask. Teach us more of your ways, O God. Where there are big life bits, Father, we ask, would you break out in health situations, in financial situations, in worry, O God? Would you break through those things for your glory? Mm. Lord, you are good. And your love endures forever. You are good all the time, as Pat told us. All the time, you are good. Let that be our shout as, as we live for your glory in our wonderful town, we ask. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 <coughs>